Should we do a pre-show? <laughs> Are we? Where, where we just banter like we're friends or something, and come oh, in yeah, the middle of an innocuous just, joke. Yeah, let's just pretend we're friends, and then like just completely get this thing over with like right away, and go back to like not talking to each other. Fantastic, because you know I'm, I'm the charade. I know it, it's 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 hard, man. Sometimes it just it drains me. That is honestly the hardest part about being on this podcast is like pretending to be friends with like any of you guys. Yeah, no, oh, I, yeah, I, sure. I, I feel you. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the 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 brain to mouth filter is is really getting clogged up. Every second yeah. you guys don't talk about Clone Wars makes me hate you even more. Just wanted to point put, put that. Oh, out. good, more Clone Wars shit. Yeah, more Clone Wars talk. Great. <laughs> Speaking of Clone Wars, resistance. oh look, oh look, is it half past two thousand five again? Apparently so. Hey, are we meant to be aware of the fact that it's a pre-show, or is it like, are we are we breaking the the pre-show fourth wall? You, are we you, allowed you, to do that? You, you're supposed to break the pre-show fourth wall after several established episodes of regular pre-show. What? So you're we've already to... failed at that. Yeah, we already fucked it up. What's a, what's a pre-show? Did I? What is this? I've been pre-showing this whole time, man. Why are we recording? Why didn't you? Re- yeah, was the whole podcast a pre-show? The whole, now the, the show whole fu- is really every started. every episode leading up to this one was a pre-show. All of and it. now and now we're about to get onto the real show. Yeah, it's all led up to this. Damn. So, so spongy, no pressure. Just don't screw up in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, because this is the real show. This is what yeah. we, we've been preparing for. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah. All right. <laughs> uh. Anyway, I guess I'll get into it. So, hello and welcome to Castle Fun, the official podcast of the Star Wars Speculation subreddit. I'm Sam, and I'll be hosting this episode today. I'm Vinny, and I look best cell-shaded. I'm Neelan, and I just talk about Clone Wars and literally nothing else. And Fuel the Fire is back. He's back. Hopefully weeks, for good. Weeks away. <laughs> a long hiatus. So let's get into some news from a galaxy far, far away. Um, this is going to be a very TV show-themed episode, as we've got two TV shows to talk about. The Mandalorian and Resistance. But first, let's get into The Mandalorian, because we've got some, some fairly recent news yes. uh, on that show, and hyped. we're all very excited about it. Dude. We're all very hyped. Um, so, first first of all, John Favreau, uh, he leaked like a picture on Instagram, and it was basically, uh, I guess, a synopsis of the show, maybe just, maybe less, more of a description, um, but it goes as this. So, after the stories of Jango and Boba Fett, another warrior emerges in the Star Wars universe. The Mandalorian is set after the fall of the Empire and before the emergence of the First Order. We follow the travels of one lone gunfighter in the outer reaches of the galaxy, far from the authority of the New Republic. So, what do you guys think of that? I'm not entirely sure it tells us anything we didn't really already know. Um, I, I, I guess... I think a lot of us were under the impression that it was going to be set on Mandalore and involve the Mandalorian clans, the Fets, the 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 uh, Rens and such. And it's it's not. It's going to be you know bounty hunter on the fringes. But beyond that, I'm not sure how much it tells us. Um, it it definitely serves the purpose of getting us hype. Um, it, it acknowledges the fall of the Empire and the existence of the First Order. So, you know, they they it's going to be awkward for them to not have this big clear evil Nazi uh, allegory bad guy to play against so uh you know the the writing isn't going to be quite so black and white which i've i'm very much hyped for uh sam what are you thinking yeah i will um personally when i found out that it wasn't going to be so much to do with like the clans of battling on mandalore i was a little bit disappointed um but now after thinking about it i'm like this could actually be a good 
premise for a show, if not a little bit, um, I don't know if I should say predictable, but I think when this show first got announced before the whole Mandalore rumours came into the equation, it was, most people seem to say that it was going to be set on like the underworld of Star Wars, the, the kind of like seedier locations, so I guess it, it's kind of like a mix of the two things of what people were expecting, I guess, uh, since the Mandalorian leaks or rumours. Um, but yeah, so I don't know. I mean, we're definitely going to be seeing the, the seedier locations of Star Wars. I mean, that, that pretty much goes without saying, uh, seeing as the photos that were leaked from, I believe, Making Star Wars, um, shows, I, I'm, I don't know whether it was confirmed, but come on, it, it's Tatooine. Um, and the one thing I do find interesting about Tatooine is that the Clone Wars, um, I mean, despite being, you know, Mos Eisley being a place for like, you know, unsavory characters anyway uh the clone wars kind of like delved into that a little bit more when it showed um the bounty it was like a common meetup for for bounty hunters and two other bounty hunters we know that wear mandalorian armor are obviously boba fett and uh jango fett so i'm wondering if this character is going to be a bounty hunter um he's referred to as a gunfighter which is quite a um a west like the the the, the description that comes to mind is like a gunslinger which is quite a western uh, a western kind of like term so i don't know i mean how would you guys feel about it being kind of like very western themed um fuel what about you oh i'm ready to get weird with it man uh weird. <laughs> I, I i think uh it brings uh you know an element we haven't seen like you guys said you know just not having that authority figure i think even just that statement alone says you know far from the authority of the new republic uh so you know that much tells you that it's not you know the empire isn't really the threat in this situation so uh you know i i it makes me think back to the old eu books and even just looking you know at uh the recent posting from uh from favre uh of the rifle you know we're looking back at stuff coming back from the holiday special um so you know, I, I'm, I'm excited to uh, see how out there they can get, um, you know, not to step on anything, but there's directors, you know, a, a long list of directors, awesome directors that are set up for the show. So, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's a good time. I think, I think uh, I might be picking up that Disney subscription myself, but that's just me. For sure. Well, uh, I mean, we're we're all picking up that Disney subscription and, and watching the show through entirely legally means. I, I, of I course, don't know why how else would we watch it? Exactly, it's, you're talking like there's some other uh, other solution to that. I don't understand. Certainly not. No, I, I pulled up those pictures you're talking about from making Star Wars, and it it, it screams Western to me. I, I I've seen I've I've been on a decent number of sets, and they've they've assembled one thoroughfare with uh, built-up uh, structure faces on either side, just like you would see in a classic Western town where there is a dirt road and there is going to be a duel at high noon uh, uh, in the middle of the street. So um, The buildings don't quite look like that tan stucco that we see on Tatooine. They look more stonish, like a gray. So I'm desperately, desperately hoping we're not going back to Tatooine. Um, and, 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 and hopefully I'm with we you aren't. There. Yeah, hopefully we aren't. Um, but man, I love the idea of of, of heavy Western influences, like a, a Sergio Leone, uh, fistful of dollars um, sort of feel. I, I I think we're ready for that. Like like we said in the previous podcast, I, I think we're gonna have resistance, uh, which we'll get to eventually, uh, aimed at the younger audiences, and to balance that, 
will have the Mandalorian, which is aimed for this 20-something, 30-something audience that has money to throw at Netflix and wants more Star Wars that's grown up and aged up with them and a, 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 an edgy, and I, I'm not sure that word gets used properly these days, but an edgier, more mature, uh, a, a spaghetti western-themed show I could definitely see being a very strong product. I, I, I'd be all about that. Uh, yeah, you know, I think, I know you're not happy the fact that it that it could very well be Tatooine. I'm pretty sure that um, the Jawas were confirmed. I could be wrong about that. I, I read that in like a fleeting comment or article or something like that. I just vaguely remember Jawas being confirmed. So if it, if that's true, I mean, I, I think it would make sense that it's Tatooine. Uh, I, I, I personally, you know, I'm, I'm always in favor of seeing new planets over like uh, returning planets um, more times than, than not. But, I mean, I guess Tatooine of all places, um, I mean, whatever, um, it, it'll be cool. I guess it's where the, 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 the films t- started, uh, the film started on Tatooine, so it makes sense for the, for the TV show to start there as well, I, I guess. Um, Neelan, what do you think about all the Mandalorian information? Well, personally, I'm most, like, I'm leaning towards something involving crime. Like, when you have Mandalorians, crime is always involved. So there's, like, personally, I'm thinking this this uh, Mandalorian dude uh, might be might be some sort of mercenary. Or maybe he's going to be, like, uh, some type of lone, lone gunslinger, like, trying to fight against the corruption in, like, this town. Overall, I'm expecting something, like, a much more smaller... Uh, what's the word? Smallish scaled sort of show? Because I've noticed John Favreau uh, tends to work on, you know, smaller scaled stuff. Like if you've seen the movie Chef or The Lion King. Um, so that's kind of what I'm leaning towards. I'm not, I'm not expecting anything like large scale or huge, bombastic. Just something that's more focused on the characters. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I can definitely see where you're coming from there, Neelan. Uh, I think the. I th- you know, we are going to see something on a small small scale. Um, hopefully not too small, though, because I'd like to see a little bit more um, a little bit more outside stuff slowly come into play throughout, like, the seasons, because hopefully it's going to be a multi-season show. Um, I have no doubt. Um, the fact that he is a Mandalorian interests me. I would like to see some some more stuff about him being a Mandalorian. Maybe, like, season two, we could see him, like, going home to Mandalore, or maybe like in some of the future seasons or, or maybe even in season one but i i kind of hope not i hope i kind of hope that season one is just for like setting up the story setting up the characters setting up the main themes of the show um but in season two i could definitely see us going to mandalore at some point um because i know that john favreau voiced pre in the clone wars so he knows he knows about the mandalorian like lore he knows about it all so i can see him taking it quite seriously um, I don't think we're just going to get... It's not just, oh, hey, he looks like Boba and Jango Fett, so he's cool, he's like, you know, he's this gunslinger. I think we're going to get a little bit of a little bit of information about the Mandalorians. Um, but yeah, uh, Vinny, what, what about you? Well, I was just saying that if, if, if this does happen to be Tatooine, um, what are the odds that we see Cobb Vanth? Um, Cobb Vanth was the guy in Aftermath. Uh, we, we have a brief short story, a vignette of him in possession of Boba Fett's armor and he's using it to make himself almost like fallout style the sheriff of this now free town of previous slaves 
on Tatooine. So if this is on Tatooine, we've got at least one other guy, because he's obviously not the Mandalorian, one other guy walking around with Mando armor. What do you think of the odds we run into that or they use that? Well, I'm thinking, actually, now that you mentioned that, maybe he could be, if, if Cobb Banth is like trying to be like the sheriff of this town, right? Would you say that's like correct, uh, correct like description of that? Oh, he openly declares himself sheriff of this new town. Yeah, he he says, yeah, we're this is free town, and I'm the sheriff, and we're we're keeping this place free. It's it's very Firefly Fallout. Yeah, awesome. Because I've never actually read um, the aftermath books. So is he portrayed as like a, a good character? Like, is he, is he fighting for good? He is fighting for good. He's 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 clearly you know more than happy to get his hands dirty. Uh, it kind of portrays him as as pre as having a very dark kind of criminal background. Um, it's not much to him. It, it, in Aftermath, in between the regular chapters, we get little vignettes, kind of snapshots of stuff going on across the galaxy. Hey, hey, what's going on with Mon Mothma these days? And one of them was this little vignette on Tatooine of this guy who had Boba Fett's armor, and he'd used it to declare himself sheriff and, and, and help these previous slaves on Tatooine. Well, I, I'm just wondering if maybe um, the Mandalorian, you know, the main character of this, the protagonist, if he's going to be working for Cobb Vanth. Uh, maybe, you know, being like his, his deputy or something, if, if he is like a gunslinger type of character, he's, he's like working for the law. Um, I don't know, because maybe he's going to be more of like a um, like a vigilante or, or something like that, you know, fighting fighting for good, but maybe like not on the side of the law, seeing as like the New Republic um, might be kind of creeping its way into the show. I, I don't know. I, I've seen a lot of people against um, the, seeing the New Republic and, and any form of like First Order, like uh, start starting up. I've seen a lot of people against that. Um, personally, I'm not the first order. Yeah, I think it's way too early to see anything of the first order just yet. But the New Republic, I would I would like to see not as like a main theme, but as something more in the background. Um, like seeing the New Republic influence slowly, slowly take place across the galaxy, and slowly seeing how it's how it's changing things. I think that would be like really nice world building because we don't really know all that much about the New Republic. I feel like. Uh, maybe that's just me because I haven't really read a lot of books in that time period. But um, I don't know. I mean, like, what do you guys think? Would you would you guys be happy to see like a more um, political side to the show, if not like massively political, but just kind of the on the outskirts of it? Usually, I'm a sucker for Star Wars politics. Like, uh, most people don't like the politics in the prequels, but I actually kind of like them. But for this kind of show, like, I just want to get away from everything we've seen before and i want a unique kind of genre for a star wars piece of media so yeah i'm hoping that the new republic just does not come into play at all i want it to just focus on the i guess the criminal underworld justice mandalorian forget about the new republic forget about the first order let's have something new and different here i think it's actually a good opportunity to because like you said you haven't read the books we really haven't seen much of the new republic we've seen its beginning we we saw it, it having kind of false starts and aftermath like hey we're trying to form this the new senate here and it's all going wrong there's terrorism attacks and chandrilla and we saw how it obviously we saw how it ended nice <laughs> and big and bright um but we haven't really seen what it was in between those two bookends um so while i definitely wouldn't want it to be an overriding overwhelming theme I, I would certainly want it to exist. I, I'd like to at least get that little bit of world building. And I think there's also a very good opportunity to turn the thing on its head. If the Mandalorian is this rogue guy and everyone he works with is rogue guys and everyone lives on the fringe, 
they could very easily paint the New Republic as oppressive and unwanted and unwelcome as well. I mean, you know, these are people, hey, we're free from the Empire, we're trying to live our lives. Oh, wait, no, the New Republic is just another government. So they could turn it on its head and portray the New Republic as oppressive and, and, and not quite evil, but uh, definitely a bad force. Um, and that'd be pretty interesting. Exactly. That's what I that's what I mean by, you know, even in, in the way they phrased it, you know, far from the authority of the New Republic, that would suggest that that's who they view, you know, obviously <laughs> as the authority figure. So um, with that in mind, it's it's sort of a different, uh, as you said, you know, it kind of flips it on its head there. Um, but uh, I was going to I sort of have a question. I mean, uh, have we heard anything about uh, who we heard Pedro Pascal, I think, was a rumor going around about a possible lead for the show. Um, have we heard anything else since then? No, not really, to my knowledge. Um, the Pedro Pascal stuff, although as much as I'd love to see him in The Mandalorian, um, I, I think he was. it was confirmed that he wouldn't be in it, right, if I'm not mistaken? Well, I, conf- confirmed is a strong word. His agent denied it, but agents mm. deny stuff all the time. So, uh, you know, who knows? Yeah, and we've had a lot of we've had a lot of rumors like around the show. So it would I I don't want to say that Pedro is in it, but it would be nice to see him in it. And yeah, so maybe don't take that as like legit confirmation. Uh, it could be uh, you know just just agents being agents, I suppose. But um, we'll see, I guess. Uh, but no, as far as like an official confirmation on the cast or or even any rumors aside from Pedro Pascal, there's really been nothing, which I find quite quite strange actually. Seeing as there's like the the filming's obviously started and. You know, there's there's leaked photos and stuff, so it, it's strange that, that we haven't seen any casting yet. But we'll see. I guess we'll see. I mean, it, uh, it's it's impressive in this era that they've been able to keep that much uh, information about the actors and such under wraps. To be honest, completely, yeah, completely. Uh, well, it, it's uh, surprising. Yeah. yeah, what we do have is some information on the directors. Um, yes, we do. A pretty think, yeah. impressive list of directors, actually. Hmm. I don't know if you want to go over it. Yeah, who who are the directors? Feel. Uh, it looks like <laughs> uh, we've got Dave Filoni. Uh, I don't know if you guys have heard of him. He's uh, pretty um, popular ooh. in the Star Wars. Oh, never I don't heard think I've heard of him. Never actually, heard of him. Yeah. So, did he, uh, no, he did that one cartoon that sucks. What is that? Oh, I was trying the Last Airbender. He he worked on that the first yeah, season. Yeah, that's I it. That's that it. Terrible. Oh yeah, that's such a terrible show. Yeah, definitely terribly written. I think he has done some small small work for Star Wars, uh, the Clone Wars, and Star Wars Rebels. Um, you guys may have heard of them. I don't know if, if, if you're into that no sort idea. of stuff. But okay, well, uh, forget it then. I'm more into the holiday special. Yeah, uh, I think as as is everyone. More, more uh, of a no. Battle for Endor <laughs> Ewok movie kind of guy. Yeah, well, I mean that that that's where the real talent talent lies. Uh, yeah, no, it, it, I'm excited. I, I think it uh, again. This is just you know that's the first name on the list, but um, you know a familiar face, but you know, uh, an opportunity to get something sort of fresh and different. And uh, I think also his first jump into live action, uh, yeah. aside from cartoons. So it should be interesting to see how his, you know, vision translates to film. Well, I'm wondering if this was kind of done intentionally, because I know that there's been a lot of, like, talk from the fans of, of Dave Filoni. They want to see him do a live action show, because obviously they like the work that he's done on Rebels and Clone Wars. So it makes sense for, like, if it makes sense to them to be like, hey, you know, this guy does a good job on these cartoons, let's see him do a live-action show. Um, so maybe Disney are kind of, or Lucasfilm, are looking into it and being like, hey, if you can handle, you know, a smaller-scale production such as, like, a TV show, something that you're already, like, familiar with the, the structure and the format, 
and then if you do well with that, then maybe we could give you a, a film uh, instead of just giving him a you know a film to work on right away. Uh, Neelan. Well, I just wanted to add this. So I've seen like dozens and dozens of Dave Filoni interviews. Mm. And uh, so what I've found out is that basically, yeah, I think everyone knows he worked closely with George Lucas and he knows he knows George's um, version. Like he knows what George wants the Mandalorian story to be like, like uh, George's vision of Mandalore is much different than what we than what um, the expanded universe did. And I think um, it's I think it's really telling that he's an ex- executive producer for the Mandalorian because like everyone at Lucasfilm knows that. Dave Filoni learned what George's vision of Mandalore was, and that he's going to put that to work on the show. So I'm wondering if the episodes that Dave Filoni is directing are ones that are going to go specifically into Mandalore, um, its backstory and culture, and how it is in current day. Um, yeah, you you say that about like Dave Filoni knowing George's um, plans for like the Mandalore, Mandalorians, and Mandalore, and all that good stuff. Um, however, when we when we look at Rebels, um, there seems to be a lot of like retconning in terms of like what we saw in Clone Wars. Um, I don't, I don't know. Like, it's obviously not going straight to what Legends did, because obviously it was, it, it was still quite different. But it, it seems more towards that kind of, uh, that kind of culture. Whereas the Clone Wars stuff, which was all obviously directly George Lucas, very, very different. Um, and Rebels does not seem to be following that so much. It seems to be following much closer to Legends stuff. So I don't know. What about you, Vinny? What What do you think about it all? I, I you're completely right. Um, most of the content in the original canon for the Mandalorians was built out by an author named Karen Travis, and um, her vision of Mandalore is very, very similar to what we got in Rebels. The the clan, the warring untrusting clans in their huts in in not nearly as as an urban built up environment uh clone wars is a depiction of, of mandalore which i think we discussed before which i, I feel is like a, a light a diet coruscant is not even close it's, it's as far as possible from the this mongolian warrior culture of the mandalorian so yeah I, I think what rebels did with it is much much closer to the old canon and um if 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 lucas's vision uh, for the Mandalorians is not uh, what we got in uh, in the old canon in the old Karen Travis books. Then it's not what we got in Rebels either. So there's there's some inconsistency going on there for sure. However, I will say that you know canon by and large being taken quite seriously these days. You know, in trying to keep consistent to it uh, by most, most at part. Least. Yeah, by most, <laughs> uh, bar a few. Um, it seems to be the you know I don't think they're gonna like throw everything George Lucas uh, did for Mandalore out the window. Darn. It seems <laughs> it does seem to be it's hard to explain, but the Rebels Mandalore seems to be like a deliberate contrast to what George Lucas set up um, very purposefully. Like it's like hey you know this is Mandalore, this isn't what we are. We're not like a peaceful culture. We're we're a culture of warriors and and you know and all that stuff. So I, I think that it. Maybe the stuff that George Lucas um, did do for Mandalore will be mentioned. It won't be completely thrown out the window in this new series. It'll just be like, yeah, we went through an era of peace. We don't, we didn't like it. Uh, we like the clans. We like the battles. So I don't know. Maybe, maybe we'll see like a conflict of of those two of two sides. Well, Neil and uh, uh, tell me, in Clone Wars, doesn't uh, Satine 
specifically say, hey, we, we're trying this new peace thing. We're, we're attempting to be more organized and more civil and political about things, and it's not really working out. Doesn't she say something along those lines at some point? Oh, yeah. She talks about that, like, multiple times in the show. Um, I, and also, like, I'm going to say that I think the clan thing is, like, yeah, I don't think George ever intended for there to be clans at all. But I don't think it was ever specifically said in the Clone Wars that there couldn't be clans before. Because I remember people on Mandalore uh, said that, like, all of the warriors were exiled, like, long ago. So you can easily just, like, explain the clans and rebels as just being exiled warriors. So, yeah. Well, I think that makes a lot of sense because they're not actually, like, on mandalore are they the, the stuff that's in rebels isn't actually mandalore it is on like distant moons and yeah. planets so, so concord dawn wasn't it yeah i think so i don't know if that was like you know maybe that's where they were exiled to um so yeah i guess maybe we could see a difference maybe we could see some some of those exiled warriors actually returning to mandalore i don't know that's just all speculation and and, and all that but who knows i mean i certainly would like to see to see that stuff like because i think the the Mandalorian culture was almost quite like medieval or ancient, um, and then maybe Satine was like she was like, let's get involved with like current society guys. You know, this is this is getting stupid. Let's let's try and like move with the times. And then the rest of the Mandalorians were like, no, that's <laughs> that's 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 not how we do things. That's not how we like to do things. We are we're our own people. We we need to be this way. This is how we how we do things. So we could see like I, I would really like I. I don't think we saw enough of that conflict in Clone Wars. I know we had we had Death Watch, but Death Watch were like a terrorist group, and it wasn't it, it seemed like they were the ones that were saying no, screw this, and the rest of the Mandalorians were completely fine with like what was going on with their world, and they were like, yeah, this is cool this is cool, this is fine. Whereas I would like to see a bit more of like a, a mixed kind of um, a mixed uh, reaction or or whatever to, to, the, to that. So we'll see, we'll see. Hopefully we get that in the show. I think, um, I, well, yeah, and also I think they could actually go back and do that in the new Clone Wars episodes, because we're, we're getting the Siege of Mandalore story arc. That's, so that's like That's like our final opportunity to show that conflict, so I think there's still a chance. Mm, definitely. Uh, just, just real quick, a uh, question for you guys. Um, how much, personally to you guys, does Dave Filoni directing the first episode uh, increase the chances of Ahsoka either getting appearing live action or heavily name-dropped? Well, she's already quite tied to Mandalore at the moment anyway. That's Obviously, what I'm not... thinking with Season 7 mm. coming out, yeah. Well, it's not its not even just so much Season 7. I mean, that, that aside, uh, at the end of Rebels, she was seen, you know, flying off with um, Sabine, who is obviously quite a important figure on Mandalore now. So, I don't know. I think that, I think that yeah, I, I, whether or not we see her in the show in Season 1, um, because it's not... A, a Dave Filoni seems to have his own like mini kind of continuity if that makes sense so to be honest with you i'd find it more more likely she'll be on resistance um which i know maybe some people won't like but than than uh mandalore i don't know or the mandalorian because that seems like more like actually what dave filoni's working on rather than just helping out with the show and directing a few episodes and, and stuff so I don't know, I don't know, but it would it would make sense for Ahsoka to be either heavily name dropped or actually make an appearance in. Yeah, I personally I would like it if um, this were sort of detached from honestly from all of the sort of uh, main saga um, 
I, I know we have obviously the same director and this is maybe perhaps uh, an opportunity for him to sort of step in a new direction. Uh, try right. something new, you know what I mean? Definitely, yeah, I definitely agree. What about you, Neelan, the, the Clone Wars expert, the Clone Wars enthusiast of this podcast? Yeah, I'm I'm thinking not at all. We're not going to get a single reference to her whatsoever. Um, and I'm okay. actually, I'm, I'm okay with that because like I said, I want to move away from all the things that we've seen before and go back to go to something new but i mean like i guess i could see like you mean like tatooine yeah <laughs> yeah okay uh, a fresh take on tatooine is what i'm really you know <laughs> i think we're all we've all been waiting for oh it, yeah it's no. about time oh man it's i'm, I'm clawing time. at the tatooine posters on my wall my moss espa postcards oh yeah man i mean that's that's the cool thing about star wars is you can go back to you can go back to the same things and put a different spin on it just because you're going back to like familiar things doesn't mean you can't change it up a bit so even though we are seeing Tatooine again most likely we can still do cool things with it we can still see a little bit more insight into the world you know like the the, the kind of um the, the more crime related parts to it you know so I don't know we'll, we'll see I guess but um more yeah. aliens please more aliens more aliens plenty more aliens um so uh then looking at the rest of the directors we have here we also have uh Deborah Chow is uh, also confirmed. She directed a episode of uh, Jessica Jones, as I understand it, and also an episode of Better Call Saul. Oh, um, so you know that's a that's a good start for me. Um, yeah, both good shows. I don't know if you guys caught them at all, but I'm, um, I'm huge fans of both of those series, same, and, and yeah, that's same. that's massive credibility to me. I, I I'm, yeah. I'm stoked. Right. Um, and uh, so then we also have uh, Rick. Uh, I hope I pronounce this right. Fit. Uh, Fami Yuma, Fami Yuma, sounds good uh, to me. Rick Fami Yuma, uh, who directed uh, The Wood and Dope. I don't know if you guys caught those. Uh, they were, yeah, I thought they were pretty good. Um, smaller, dope, sort of. Was... Sorry, go on. No, go ahead. I was just saying it was dope that documentary. Uh, no, Dope was. Uh, it was more of like a, <laughs> like a suburb sort of film, uh, California. Oh, okay. Yeah, it it was. Uh, but well, it, it was a smaller sort of. Go ahead. I was just gonna say it was that '90s film um, about the 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 kid, uh, like it was heavily '90s. I, I I think I know where you got the impression that it was a documentary because it was loosely based on a rapper's uh, life growing up. I just can't remember who. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll let me look it up real quick because I, I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah, but um, they were uh, both sort of smaller films, sort of more introspective. Um, it's just smaller uh that you know not action so i think that's the biggest thing that stands out to me you know they're they're not like action films they're not uh i think even going back to uh the previous director jessica jones and better call saul both shows that aren't really heavy on action it's all about character development really yeah Uh, especially better call saul you know that's that's very heavy on the character development so interesting exactly so um, it should be interesting to see sort of what direction, even looking again, going back to John Favre, uh, who you have a director who's sort of, I mean, I know he's producing, but you also have a director who's very, uh, I don't know what the word would say, what, what, what words to use for it, but it's uh, more introspective perhaps. Hmm. I think more more textured for sure. I mean, yeah. the the character more, development, more nuance. Yeah, yeah, that's a great word for it because that's what you get a lot out of, of Better Call Saul is those long drawn out shots where at first it looks like nothing's happening and then you look a little bit deeper and there's a lot of character development happening. 
Right, exactly, yeah. Just name dropping, pretty much. Bryce Dallas Howard will be uh, directing as well. And uh, then we also have a, another director that you guys may have heard of, uh, Taika Waititi, uh, will be directing oh, yeah. as well, uh, who directed Thor Ragnarok. And, and also uh, what, what, what we, we do, do in the shadows, shadows yes. and uh, and yeah, just uh, an interesting and bright talent to bring to the bring to the table. So the, the one thing I did notice about you know uh, you know uh, how do I take ta- how do I pronounce his name? Taika Watiti. Ta- Taika Watiti. The one thing I did notice about him, um, his directed style in Thor Ragnarok, was it was it was very heavy on the comical side. You know, there was a lot of a lot of comedy in that, so maybe we will see some like more comical episodes. I don't want to like just I don't want to typecast him into like certain styles of directing, but uh, I don't know. We'll hopefully get some some more comedic stuff and and good comedic stuff. There's um he also did uh, a film called Hunt for the Wilder People, and if you haven't seen that or listeners you haven't seen that, please go out and see it immediately. It's 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 funny, it's touching, it's exceptionally directed. It's um. It's incredibly underrated. Hunt for the Wilder People is really, really good. And I, I think, again, we were talking about that nuance and that humanity. And yes, there is definitely some comedic there and some some kind of breaking up the tension Marvel. I hate that we're calling it that now, but Marvel-style humor. Yeah. Um, but, you know, there's some real heart and soul to it. And I, I, I think he'll be bringing that to uh, The Mandalorian. And I'd be perfectly happy to see that. Yeah, definitely. And I'm hoping he brings the weird. Oh, he'll definitely bring the weird. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. We love the weird. We love the weird Star Wars stuff. Um, But I think that pretty much wraps it up for the Mandalorian talk. Um, Just some cool news. Hopefully, you know, we we do get more over the upcoming months, as I'm sure we will. We kind of have to. So, you know, if you want to see that, um, subscribe to Disney's uh, subscription service, and uh, I'm sure you can watch all the episodes there. Uh, but now on to to the other show, the other Star Wars show currently airing. Um, Resistance, Resistance dropped finally, uh, long awaited. Um, so yeah, I mean, I guess we're gonna go over our impressions of Resistance. Uh, Neilan hasn't actually watched it yet, so we're gonna be giving him our first impressions and just seeing if he thinks the show is worth checking out. Um, but Vinny, why don't you go first? Uh, I've got I've got a pretty large slew of notes here broken up by episodes um so in kind of in chronological order as i was going along watching it taking notes um now i i'm a big fan of ship porn i'm all about the ships i love the fighters um i was <laughs> very very excited to see the new t85 x-wings which is we, we've hinted at that in the comics that the new republic is working with the latest and greatest tech and the resistance despite having newer x-wings the t-70s than what we saw in the original trilogy was still older tech by that time so it's cool to see the latest and greatest from the new republic and just the new republic in general you know seeing that logo on the wing was exciting to me actually getting that context um so they suck me in, you know, with that original, with that first uh, shot of them getting chased by this Red Baron type character from the First Order, who also has a new ship, a First Order, TIE Interceptor, curved wings, different wings. So finally, I've been whining for a very long time that the First Order needs new ships. We've just been getting TIE Fighters and TIE Fighters with a little bit of red on them. They heard and you, man. They heard me. <laughs> I, I got on the phone with, with, with Kennedy. And I said, you put this in here or I'm going to write a sternly written letter. Um <laughs> But uh, after that, uh, it's pretty cool. There's a little bit of fan service. We get into the Tanti 4, which is just like, yeah, this was at Scarif. And I'm just like, all right, there's there's my fan wankery. Got it. Thanks. <laughs> um, 
One thing I did notice, and we talked about this in the past podcast, is uh, we have a brief moment of Leia on a hologram talking to Poe, and Leia doesn't say anything. She just kind of looks knowingly at Poe, they look back, and then the scene cuts away. Now, we do have a confirmed voice actress for Leia, so and and she fell into some very hot water recently by tweeting some polit- some pretty pretty vicious stuff about uh, what was going on with the Kavanaugh hearings and and rape allegations and um I wouldn't be surprised if we she we were supposed to get some spoken voice lines from Leia there between her and Poe and they cut them out entirely. Um that's that's the vibe I got that they cut her scenes. Um probably because of that. Um I like Colossus, the I I the the floating spaceship port. Um, it, 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 to me, it's almost like a Nar Shaddaa, but instead of built around an economy of bounty hunters, it's built around an economy of pilots. Um, but then immediately I was taken out of it again because, uh, it, it, they, they hyped the scene up multiple times in the trailer, throwing the guy off the edge and being like, ah, it's a brutal world on, on here, man. You got to keep on your toes. Well, in the show, they go out of their way to make sure that you hear him hit the water. So it's not an on-screen kill. They go out of their way to go, don't worry, guys, he's okay. Uh, I don't know about that. Falling, falling into the water from that height, I think that's pretty much concrete. Well, hey, he had, at least he got a really bad belly burn. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, vicious, brutal, man. T for teen. But um, so it, it, it kind of took me out of it. And then immediately after that, there, well, fairly soon after that, there's a bar fight. But the bar fight, no weapons get drawn. And a bunch of bottles get thrown around, but the bottles are plastic. Like, there's no classic bottle breaking or anything like that. It just ends up looking like a food fight. So right out of the gate, I'm feeling, okay, this is clearly aimed at a much younger audience. This is kind of what we were afraid of. Um, and then there's a lot of physical comedy. Just so much physical comedy. Arms flailing everywhere. People smacking into posts and tripping and falling. And eyebrows flailing everywhere like it's a DreamWorks production. And um, and, and And to go along with that the soundtrack anytime there was a comedic scene there's just like wah, 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 wah. <laughs> it, 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 honestly it felt like danny elfman like it was just so <laughs> overwhelming that this comedic soundtrack i just oh man chill out okay we got it <laughs> we get it we're supposed to be laughing now wait yep okay all right um and and, and that that pretty much got me through um uh, you know, season two or episode two. I mean, and there was more shout outs. I'm sure you saw the Sheathapede shuttle at the start from Rebels, the the Phantom Two. Um, and so, you know, hey, shout out to Rebels. Um, uh, yeah, more over the top comedy. Uh, it, it it really slowed down with episode two. Episode one at least had that hook, but uh, episode two it just really slowed down. I, I I'll, I'll I'll back off a little bit now because I, I want to talk more about the character's motivation. But I'm sure you guys have have some stronger impressions to balance this out. Um, yeah, I, I certainly have a bit more of a positive take on the show. Um, I wasn't quite as uh, enamored with it as some people in the community I've seen. Some people were like, "I love the show. This is great. You know, I, I'm loving it so far." For me, I thought it was okay. Uh, I think it has a lot of potential. I like some of the seeds that are planted. I think that it has a good, a good solid startup for for a good show to take form. Uh, however, you know, out of the episodes we got, I still didn't really get like massively pumped. I'm not like super excited for the next episode. I guess I'm looking forward to it, but uh, for the most part, I'll I'll see it when I see it. I guess. Um. Yeah, I don't think its its introduction was as strong as Rebels. I, I really liked, you know, I know a lot of people give Rebels some flack, you know, especially the the first season, 
however, I, I actually really did like the first season of Rebels, despite like a few maybe like weaker episodes here and there. But I think for the most part, I think the first season of Rebels was really strong, and that first episode was just it was just great for me. Uh, you know, it, from from start to finish, I feel like it really set up Ezra um, as as a main character. I really like you. You could you could definitely see clearly where where his character art was heading, and you know. Uh, it, it set up like his 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 loneliness at home and and all that all that kind of character development and arc that taking form you know again with like Kanan uh, being like the, the the former Jedi and and all that all that sort of like great great stuff that that you know we knew we were gonna get in the future. Um, Rebel uh, Resistance, I didn't really quite get that. I it's it's Resistance. I felt kind of like threw me into the action very very quickly. Um, you know, instantly we open up to to a space a space dogfight between Kaz and this first order uh, red interceptor, who I believe his name is Major Ulrich. Uh, I can't quite remember his second name. Um, I'll remember that at some point. But um, yeah, so and then Poe comes to save the day, and it's all very action heavy. And then hey, uh, Kaz, you know, let's let's go into this. Um, let's you know you you've been invited to this mission. You know, go ahead. You, you know, we've you've got what we need. Just uh, go for it. And then he has a quick call with his dad, and it, and he's and he's thrown into the Colossus. And it just, uh, I don't know. It just felt a little bit rushed to me. I would have liked to have seen uh, something a little bit more slowed down. But I get, and I and I think that is a symptom of it being aimed at a much younger audience, where maybe they they feel like the kids won't have as long a, an, of an attention span as like you know some of the audio audience do, which isn't. You know, it isn't a bad thing. It knows what it is, and I'm sure, you know, I'm sure maybe the younger kids would appreciate the the quick pace more than than maybe like the slower build up. But you know, comparing it to Rebels, which in my opinion had a really strong first episode, I don't think we got quite the same thing. Um, and I think the episodes two and three felt weaker to me than the first episode. So I don't know. I mean, I wasn't like as interested in like the individual plots of the episodes. Um, Rebel Season 4 had like a really good thing going for it where it was like, it felt like it was following like a, a really long narrative and I th- I'm, I'm kind of sad that we're not getting that, they're not following on with that tradition with Resistance. That's kind of what I was hoping for, a bit more of like a, a serialized story. But, you know, sadly we didn't get that. But overall, I think it's a good show. It has uh, good starting foundations, and I am I am interested in seeing where it goes. Um, what about you? What about you, Fuel? What were your impressions? Um, I thought... Uh, no, I, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, I think kind of going to... Uh, this was quite a while ago, but... <laughs> going back to what uh, Vinny was saying... Um, I think uh, this may be the first show that sort of feels sort of in that in-between of uh, Disney and Star Wars, sort of that medium place. Um, and, you know, that it, it's interesting, but, uh, but at the same time, I like sort of Disney productions as it is. So to me, it sort of feels natural. Um, you know, it, it is in a different setting and you're, you know, you don't have a lot of, of the force characters and such, but uh, it's um it's a you know it's a, the setting itself just lends itself to sort of you know something different um away from everything although you you know obviously you have uh 
it, it was cool to see, you know, Oscar Isaac playing Poe. Um, if you guys caught are caught up, you know, then you'll see uh, Gwendolyn Christie uh, reprising her role as Phasma as well, which is good for the character there. I think, uh, you know, build out some more of the mystique that was missing again from the other films. So hopefully once, you know, all the production's done, we'll have a complete picture of who this person was that we uh, lost uh, so many times in the sequel trilogy. Huh. <laughs> um, but uh, but I, I really liked it. I think the setting itself, um, you know, I, it was obviously it is a kid's show. Um, we That much should be said. Um, so, you know, it, there is a lot of slapstick humor. Um, I think the reactions to uh, or Kaz, if you if anybody caught the first episode, sort of when he's getting, you know, sort of knocked out or punched or whatever, you look at his face, that's pure Disney. That's 100 percent Disney. Um, so, you know, it, it, it's it's interesting seeing the blend, but uh, I don't think it's you know, it's not a bad thing. Obviously, the more Star Wars we can get, the greater. And, and again, to me, the setting is the most interesting thing of the show. Um, we're out on the Colossus, right? Uh, a racing community. Uh, the way they introduce the new characters as, you know, sort of the hotshot pilots around without, without actually having everybody sort of walk up and be like, hey, I'm this guy, or I'm, you know, I'm that guy, or, or you know, whatever. Uh, they, they're just introduced sort of organically uh, as, as, you know, the, the racers, and you kind of see them in, in the ambiance, you know, flying around and such. So uh, I got, as I was watching it, it sort of took me back to uh, being a kid, sort of that imagination of, you know, uh, these characters sort of out in the Star Wars galaxy, they've got their ship, they need to maintain it, you know what I mean? They need to build it up. They're trying to make their own sort of path in the galaxy, right? Um, obviously, they're all racers, but again, just sort of the, that independence you get from, you know, being out in the Star Wars galaxy, at, you know, even playing like a Star Wars Galaxies back in the day where you got your ship and you need to build up, you know, he, he started with sort of a crummy ship and I imagine later on he'll get a, a cooler ship and whatnot. And so imagining, so imagining that kind of stuff for me is really neat. Um, but uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm definitely in agreement with you about like the setting. I think the setting... It's it's very like um, I don't know I, I I do find it quite imaginative. Maybe it's not like completely new. You know there have been other other things that have done it in the past. Other other films and stories that have done this kind of thing in the past. Uh, however, I do I do like the setting. Uh, once you take off the kind of the 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 kiddie like exterior, the colorful exterior to it, it is actually quite a dark setting. Um, you know that it's people kind of like struggling to get by. Uh, they're basically forced to race if they want to like have any shot at like a decent life and live in. I think it's like Dozer Tower. I think they call it. So yeah, I mean, it it, it seems pretty. Although yes, there is that kind of like kiddie exterior to it, so it doesn't look too bad. Um, I do think that you know once you take away that kind of like layer to it, you you kind of see that it it is actually. Um, oh, it, maybe not the nicest place to live. Uh, it's well, it's well dark, man. Uh, the female uh, Unkar Plunt. Uh, Plut uh, woman was taking bets on who would squish Kaz's head first. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's so, that's you know, pretty I mean, hardcore. Yeah, definitely. And luckily, you know, with with his plot armor, he managed to uh, escape that fate. Um, I, 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 to be honest with you, I one thing I really do like about the show, and I'm really hoping it's gonna, um, you know, be a constant, constant uh, cause for discussion, is this first order spy 
this first other spy that, that Kaz, I mean, that's the whole point of Kaz's mission, right? To, to look for this spy. And I'm so hoping, I am hoping with every fiber in my being that they don't make it super obvious and like, you know, obviously because it, it is a kid show and I'm really hoping, you know, they, they don't make it like, this guy, he's like talking all the shade about the New Republic. He's clearly not a nice character. And then they just, you know, say, hey, it's, uh, this is, this is the First Order guy and it, no one's surprised and even the kids are like, well, well like, no shit. Um, so I'm hoping that it's someone that's going to have a lot of emotional impact for Kaz, and I have my own theories on that, but maybe I'll maybe I'll talk about that later. But um, what about you, Vinny? What do you think of the setting? Um, the Colossus. To be first, first off, I really I didn't get that sense of of danger and and, and horrible livelihood that that you guys did. I know they they mentioned it; it's told to us. But one of one of the number one rules of writing is show, don't tell. It's, right. It's a visual medium, and. Other than a few comments, I, I didn't really get that sense at all. Um, everyone seemed to be eating. Everyone seemed to have money and walking around. We didn't get shots of any sort of like slums or slum living. We we didn't, and and there was no sense of danger. There was there was utterly no sense of danger. Um, again, the guy falling in the water, the uh, there the the ships constantly catching fire and exploding, and no one being hurt. Um, you know, that, that scene where he gets, uh, shot, it, I don't know if you remember, but when the pirates start doing those strafing runs on the Colossus and Kaz starts getting bounced around, it's, it's, it's almost like the, the shots are made of air. All they do is just bounce him further away with every shot. Like he literally can't be hurt by the lasers and the fire. I get plot armor, but it was just, I, I heard Benny Hill playing in the background while right, watching right. that and it ends with him flying out and landing onto the cockpit of this fighter that's going at about 600 miles an hour about three and a half miles offshore and i'm just like okay all right it's yep it's a cartoon that's fine but i i, I got utterly no sense of danger at, at all and no sense of, of risk at, at no point did i feel like the hero was was in any sort of threat um, yeah, yeah. But uh, it, one of the other things is for me is the Colossus. They, I feel like they screwed themselves with the design a little bit, because when you're when you're telling a visual motion, uh, you know, a story like a race or a dogfight, you have to have reference. You you have no sense of speed if you have no reference. It doesn't matter if you're going eight million miles an hour. If it's on a black background like in space and there's nothing moving behind you, you get no sense of movement. You get no sense of motion or speed. Um, so that's why a dogfight in space is just boring because they're just moving around. You have no one. You have no idea of where everyone is relative to each other. That's why, like say, asteroids or debris or something, it, it, it makes it understandable, it makes it relevant, it can give you an idea of where everyone is relative to everyone else, how fast the fighters are moving, what kind of danger they're in. And the Colossus is in the middle of nowhere. It's a whole bunch of open space. It's just sky for miles. So I kept watching these these races with the potential for dogfights, by the way. Someone shot one of the other racers, which I thought was pretty cool. Um, and, and I just, I couldn't get a sense of their speed. I couldn't get a sense of where everyone else was and positioned to everyone else, how far along they were in the track, because they, they, the design has no reference material. There's no background. There's nothing to be speeding past. There's no buildings. There's no anything. And I, I think that really took away from what could have been one of the better parts of the show, which are these races, you know, which are these, these, and hopefully dog fights. Um, Sam, I mean, how far off base do you think I am here? No, to be honest with you, I think you come up with a very good point. I think visually, 
the set, although I think thematically and like the stuff going on about it, I am quite interested in, in the setting of the Colossus. It, it is an interesting place, in my opinion. But I think visually, there's not really got it's not really got a lot of stuff going for it. It's these kind of it's set in the middle of an ocean, so instantly you've got you know not a lot of interesting imagery there, and then it's just this this metal um, construct, and it, it just it looks very very boring. I I feel like. Um, it's got some cool stuff like going on inside, you know, you've got the bar and, you know, the, the kind of like streets outside that are obviously all made of metal and, and, and you know, as far as that goes, yeah, that that's kind of interesting. But, but yeah, like when you're in the races and they're literally just flying around these, these rings, flying through these rings, for me, it's not, it's not doing a lot for me. I think you're right. I think that when, when a show is all about races and then you've got such a boring setting for the races to actually take place... That's a massive drawback. So yeah, no, I, I agree with you on that. Uh, what about you, Fio? What do you think? Do you do you visually um, the setting? What do you think? Well, um, I think it's uh, it's still a young show. Uh, we're just mm. getting started, and uh, I would point you guys to one key piece of evidence, uh, uh, or one one key thing that would sort of suggest that the story is going to take you know the characters' places beyond sort of where we're at. Is that the show is called Star Wars Resistance? Right. Um, so I wouldn't anticipate that you know a lot of the sort of large arcs of the of the story are going to take place on this small sort of uh, island uh, of metal. Um, it'll it'll probably be you know having them you know having them go off and doing missions in, in some you know and at other locations and maybe this is sort of their home base and their cover I... for for what they're doing. You know, this is their job, right? Uh, they're, sure. They're they're nine to five, and then they're sort of moonlighting as resistance members. I'm just I'm just worried because at the moment we only really have one resistance member, which is Kaz. So it's just Kaz being on the resistance, and he's and his goal is to try and find this first order spy. And we saw in Rebels, and I know a lot of people got a little bit annoyed with it on Rebels, where the whole entire first season literally only takes place on Lothal, and a lot of people were getting very bored of Lothal, and they wanted to see something more, because it's set in this massive galaxy with a lot of cool places. And I'm just worried that I think, and I do think that the first season, by and large, is going to take place completely on Colossus, and yeah, I'm I'm a little bit worried about that. I'm, I'm, I'm worried that I might get bored with that setting pretty fast. Um, but we'll see. Hopefully, we do actually get some more sense, especially with like the first order coming into play. But then you've even got like the first order are, like hiring pirates, so we're not even going to get them clashing with the first order right away, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. Um, I just think that it it might take a little while for the show to actually fully kick off to its to its full potential in terms of like resistance, what it's named after, you know, resistance. So I don't know, uh, Vinny. No, and and that's that's perfectly reasonable in in that. Both Rebels and Clone Wars also took quite some time to get off the ground. I mean, on when I rewatch uh, Clone Wars, I regularly skip the first, if not first two seasons, just because they're the, really for me weak in both pacing and storytelling and ooh, mm. art. Um, huh. So yeah, I, I think it's perfectly reasonable to expect this show to get uh, stronger. There's a lot of potential here, um, but uh, I, I think it could get a lot better, and I'm expecting it to get a lot better. That's pretty typical Dave Filoni. That you know, you got to start out. He starts out a little bit slow. He doesn't. Um, he doesn't tend to grab you in the first season or so. He doesn't play all his cards at once. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah, that's a nicer way to put it. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that is is that necessary? I know. No, I've, it's very rare a show's first season is like outstanding and 
and you know the best one and, and generally when that is the case the the following seasons are never that great but i don't know like he's done you know it's like his third show for star wars like it's also you maybe... also got to remember he's working on season seven of clone wars at the same time mm. he was working on this and he was probably working on mandalorian to some extent too that's true. So, That's he, true. so he's he's got three of these projects on his plate. Disney's pushing him to to be more. They're 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 you know probably looking at, at moving him up in the company or at least having more influence mm. on the product. So um, you know he might have been more hands off on this one. Sure, sure. Um, the art style is something that's quite high in, high in uh, contention as well. Like a lot of people have been debating whether the art style is nice, whether it's bad. Um, what about you, Fuel? What what do you think of the art style? How how do you like it or dislike it? Uh, I think it's nice to get something different. Uh, you know, we've had sort of that Clone Wars style uh, sort of carried over to Rebels, uh, you know, updated, uh, I guess you could say, for Rebels. Um, but uh, it's nice to have something that's just sort of different. I, I know that uh, I guess we're, we're looking at a studio that did have some uh, part in doing the Clone Wars uh, previously. Um, as well as what uh, Transformers Prime and, and Tron Uprising, um, but uh, but I you know the, it's <laughs> I think one thing that's that stood out was that it looked uh, remarkably better than I think the trailer looked. I don't know if the trailer was using something that wasn't finished yet or if. It was just that because it you know it was cutting so quickly it, it was hard to sort of get a grasp of how the scenes would flow but um, you get different angles you know um, I, I think the the intro sequence itself has some cockpit shots that are almost film like uh, in in the way that they're you know the angles that you're seeing uh, compared to to Clone Wars so it's nice to see something different uh, I'm all for it. I um I I know I'm painting a picture here, but I'm gonna fall on the other end of the spectrum on this one. I am really not a fan of the art style, and and one of my main reasons for that is it is in everything right now. I loved the individuality, uh, the u- uniqueness of the art style in the Clone Wars, and even more so Rebels, because I will mention it every freaking episode. I have a massive fan boner for Ralph McQuarrie's original art. And it was all over the place in both of those series. And um, they went to this much more uh, mediocre is a very harsh word, but I, I can't really think of anything else. Just this, this very plain art style that um, I am a very amateur um, graphic designer. I, I work in Blender. I'm still learning. And while I can't produce a full episode, given enough time, I could make a lot of the character models you're seeing in this show. Because all they're doing is it's a very base model. It's it's uh it's blended down, it and it's smoothed out, you know, probably smoothed layer two or three times, and then it's applied a tune filter, which is a pre-programmed cell shaded filter that you can just it's a one-click button. And we are seeing this art style in a lot of shows right now. Um Rooster Teeth, best known for uh Red versus Blue and also Ruby, hugely successful show. Their new show is called Genlock. And you should look at that trailer because to me, that trailer, that show looks exactly like Resistance. I could literally watch the two trailers back to back and having not seen either show, I wouldn't be able to tell where one started and the other ended, except for the fact that I think the dialogue in Genlock is better, is more mature, 
And I think this is, and, and then you look at Dragon Prince, which is a kind of a, a new out of nowhere runaway success on Netflix. And, and it's also got that exact same simplistic, basic cartoon style with the blender tune filter over it. And it also is dealing with, with dark themes, with uh, stronger dialogue. And I think if, if this art style can be so easily replicated on a much smaller budget by much smaller companies. I mean, Rooster Teeth, they, they, they make dick jokes on YouTube for a living and, and they can make the show that looks just as good as Resistance. I, I, I think Resistance really needed to step up its game. I think it needed to do something to stand out from the crowd. And, and I think it was a mistake to move to such a easily replicable um, art style. Uh, and, and I mean, you know, that's just me. I mean, I think that, you know, in the marketing, it said they wanted to go for a more like anime, anime-like styled uh, show. Um, though I, I don't disagree with you saying that it's quite simplistic, though I don't actually think it harms the animation style. I think that I do quite like the, the, the clean, crisp nature of it. I'm not, you know, I don't really watch many cartoons really outside from Star Wars, so... For me, this isn't like as big of a deal because obviously you're getting quite quite aggravated because you're seeing it in so many so many cartoons. So I can understand from your perspective why you know you're like you're sick of this animation style. You want to see something different. For me, this is this is different because I haven't actually you know seen much of anything use this art style. Uh, and I think some of the shots, some of the shots that we're actually getting, um, looks look really great like i think some of you know some of like, the really beautiful i i actually am in favor of the bright color palette i i think it looks nice um it's a bit you know in terms of the um the gray setting yeah you know it's, it is what it is but i think i like the bright colors um and i think that it works well for the show and i think there are like i said i think there's been some really beautiful shots what if resistance becomes better than clone wars and rebels Resistance better than Clone Wars? Maybe. Like, I think, I, I genuinely, while I don't think it'll reach yet, I think it genuinely could have potential, especially if they go with uh, what I'm currently theorizing. So I'm, I'm going to go into this a bit, and I, I could be completely off base, and I'm probably going to have tons of comments uh, while I'm playing, our, I'm playing our podcast, get tons of comments, but, you know, uh, tons of comments saying how wrong I am and, you know, how I completely, like, misinterpret certain things. But hey-ho, let's go. You don't, you don't have um, to wait for YouTube for that. I can tell you you're wrong right now. <laughs> I mean, go for it, mate. Yeah, go for it. So I think that the First Order spy could very well potentially be Yiga. Um I think that I, there's just something about him. I think that when you... When you do a twist like this, when you do... Because I'm, I'm assuming it's going to be a twist. I'm assuming that th there's no point in sending this mysterious First Order spy and then for it to be like completely like, oh, hey, it's that character. No, you know, well, we worked that one out. Um, and, and and when you do things like that, it's generally someone that you see in like the first episode. Someone that you set off right from the start. And I think that it would be nice for it to have some real emotional weight to Kaz. And I think, as far as any character goes right now, I think that Yiga fits the bill for all of that. Um, he's got, like, a, a past, you know, a kind of, like... It, it's not, like, a, a shady past or anything like that, but it's... There's something going on. You know, he had a family. He doesn't now. He's... Why he's he... You know, if he was one of the best pilots for the Resistance, why is he on this... Why is he on the Colossus? You know, what happened there? Um, you know, wh why... Why is... Um, what was my point? You know, why is he not helping Kaz with the with the spy and stuff? You know, uh, there could be very very good explanations for all these that that 
don't mean he's working for the First Order. However, I just think that would be a really cool twist because if we see Kaz really start to idolize uh, Yiga, and you know, obviously we 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 know from the first episode that he says, you know, the new Re- new Republic's my way of life. It's all I know. And if if he he's he's torn between his loyalty to to Yiga and his his um, loyalty also to the mission and Poe and the new Republic. Um, and I think that could set up like a really really great like character building moment um and i don't think for a second that if he does turn out to be first order i don't think for a second that he is going to be like pure evil i think there's going to be a very very sympathetic reason as to why he's working for them and i i think that he'll definitely you know by the end of the the series he'll definitely be like yeah you know no i'm not i'm not going to do this he'll 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 get away maybe he's even being forced into it um for some reason we don't know but what do you guys think about my theory do you think i'm way off base or do you think Maybe I have a point. And what what are your theories for the uh, the first order spy? Do you think we've we've even seen them yet? Um, yeah. Well, I um I was so geared up to tell you you were wrong. You you know how that brings me such joy. Oh, of course, yeah. Um, but no, I I don't think you're wrong. In in, in fact, oh. if anything, I well in shows like this, it, in in a, in a whodunit classic whodunit, you know, there's a there's a spy situation. Um, right. It's always the least likely, most likable one, and uh, uh, Yi has the uh, uh, was it Yeager? I yeah, I, yeah. I keep almost wanting to call him Yeeter because I hate the internet. And I, no. Yeah, it's bad, but I keep. <laughs> it's not good. It's not good because I'm gonna accidentally say it at some point, and I'm gonna hate That's myself even more than I already Yeater. do. Um, but uh, I I think it is Yeager. At least in in these situations, it's always the likable, friendly, or at least the one you least suspect. And that seems to be Yeager in every possible way. He's the old, friendly, uncle, grumpy, like, lovable, gruff, has a dark history, lost his family, whatever. Like, it it all signs point to him being just likable enough to feel betrayed when he turns out to inevitably be the spy. So I I think it it almost seems too obvious in that way. Maybe they Mm. could maybe they could double back. Yep. Um, you know, fuel, fuel. I think you're going somewhere with this. Oh no, no. I, I, I think, you know, let's get that that big theory out of the way so that we can move on to, uh, you know, something else. I, I think, <laughs> I, I think this may be hopefully, uh, right, hoping, hoping for nuance, um, that it's not so obvious. But you know, again, kids are kids, so, uh this being a kid's show, you know, perhaps it is. I mean, it's not like a, a fresh batch of kids changes, you know what I mean? Like they start with the, having seen the previous stories, this is fresh to them. So if it is that sort of tale of deception or master sort of deceiving you and you having to do the right thing, despite, you know, that, um, you know, then so be it. That's that, that may be the direction they go with it. Yeah. And I, I think it's only, it's only, you know, ha- you know, in inverted commas, obvious to us because we're like we're you know older and we're we're seasoned more cynical maybe of like certain characters i don't know but i think that you know we know the tropes more so maybe it's it's obvious to us maybe but not so much to like the target audience of the show um my 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 other theory of who it could be is actually the um i don't remember a name the the pilot the other pilot that's she um Kaz races her in the first episode, I believe. Toka? Tona? Uh, Tora, I think, Tora, yeah, that's it. Tora, yeah. 
my, my reasoning for that isn't so much that we have any evidence so much, but I think as far as story potential goes, I think it could work. Um, because if you have um, Kaz and Tora get, you know, get a little bit closer, you know, uh, throughout the throughout the season and become friends, because, you know, I can clearly see that happening, and then have her be revealed as the First Order um, spy, she's already a good pilot, we know this, and it could have... It could have um, Kaz, someone's, you know, it could, it could, it could give Kaz a rival, a first order rival, when he gets into the more. Because I think that it's all gearing up to the fact that he will be flying X wings again, and you know, hopefully, on out on first order missions. And I think this season is just setting everything up. Um, and you know, why while Yiga could be um, Kaz's mentor, we could see Ulrich, the the red uh, interceptor pilot, be Tora's mentor, and. And they could set up all sort of like drama with that, and I think that could be actually pretty great to see. Um, Vinny, what do you think? Well, I I think it's great that you went to her because thinking about it now, it would be awesome if she turned out to be mm. the spy. Because going into it, watching the trailers, I thought she was going to be the very typical, um, overly upbeat anime kind of yiffy type character where it's just like, hey, it's going to be all right, guys. We're going to do it together. That was a good try. And instead, right. she turned out to have this very dark sense of humor. And and, and, yes, and she yeah. turned out to actually be really kind of uh, sarcastic. And she, she had that mm. upbeat attitude, but it was actually kind of dark. I, I, I really yeah. liked that. I liked that they um, they kind of pulled the rug out from under us on her, her character, at least from the trailers. So for her to turn out to also be the spy, especially with, you know, these pressures, she's uh, – because she's, she's the one whose father owns the whole base, right? Or am I getting that right? Right, yeah. Yeah. No, I think you're right, yeah. So that I, I think that would be great if, if she turned out to be the First Order spy and, and turned out to give her a dark edge and training with this, this Red Baron from the First Order. That'd be awesome. Right, and I'm not saying that she would be, like, evil. You know, I'd prefer if she wasn't. I'd prefer if there was, like, a bit of conflict in there and, you know, we could see that get resolved over the course of the show. But I, I think that... I'm I'm actually in a little bit more favor of that now than than Yiga being the uh... sort of a lost stars feel, right? Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. The one thing I'm really scared about is there is a character who I think he's like he was like the second pilot on on that list, and I think I I heard that he was in one of like the behind the scenes, um, you know, about the cast and crew. Uh, there was something about him being like an ex Imperial uh, fighter. And he looks obviously quite sinister. Is he, is, if he he the, turns... is he the Draco Malfoy wannabe? No, no, that's yeah, the guy that's played by Elijah Wood. No, no, this is um, he's like an older guy. He's like he's 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 bold. He's got no hair. Um, and he's like he was like second on the leaderboard of like the the pilots. Oh yeah, um, yeah, the don't... guy who looked like the leader of Death Watch. Yeah, right. Yeah, you don't actually see him in person. You just see him on the screen. And he he has actually like an ex Imperial uh, Tie Fighter pilot. If he turns out to be the spy, I will like I will smack my head against the desk repeatedly um, <laughs> until I can't see anything anymore. Because yeah, I think that would just be like way too obvious. And I get it; it's a kids show, but it it still should have like some emotional pull. So here's hoping that's not the case. But um, we'll see. We'll I, see. I think you're right. I think they would have introduced that character in the first episode. I think whoever the spy is, we've already seen them. I think it makes too much sense. I I don't like the fact that it, considering it is like this looming thing where you know yeah, where Kaz is like trying to find out who the spy is, you know, and he's, he's trying to work on that. It, it makes too much sense that they reveal it in the first episode and not have this, this character appear out of nowhere and be like, oh, yeah, well, that's obviously the spy. Um, yeah, I don't know. We'll, we'll see on that one, but I, I'm still hoping that it's going to be a character that's really going to, like, it's going to, it's you're going to feel the punch when when they do turn out to be the first order spy. Um, yeah. 
Um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm interested in this Ulrich character, this, this, this red uh, interceptor pilot. I, I, I think he's cool. We don't really know much about him yet, but he, 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 he just strikes me as like a cool character, and I, I am really excited to like, to like see him, um, actually like be more in the story. He seems more like the callus of the series, like, um, in terms of like the, the villain that's actually going to be out on the. Well, maybe not on, on the ground, but in the in the skies, maybe you know the one that's actually going to get involved, get his hands dirty. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm I'm interested in seeing more of him. I hope he actually does get a little bit of like character development. Maybe not to the extent of Callus, because Callus actually did turn good, and I'm not so sure uh, we're going to get Ulrich to turn good. Although I wouldn't be opposed to it, you know, I'm 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 always up for those redemption stories. Um, but we'll see. Um, I don't know. What do you guys think of Ulrich? Are, are, you, are you pretty on the fence about him? Do you not really think we know enough about him to get excited for him just yet? Phil, what do you think? Uh, I, I think it's cool to see uh, a red TIE fighter. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, uh, I think with the, I mean, just sort of uh, as an aside, I think it's interesting how in the uh, sort of Imperial world, I guess flying is sort of a skill, right? I mean, it's it's kind of like driving, uh, as it were, but piloting is, so, is sort of a skill. Um, but that in the Imperial uh, military, well, I guess that's the First Order, right? Uh, mm. In the First Order, they're allowing them to sort of have their own uh, ships, uh, their own sort of uh, stamp on everything. Uh, mm. I, I know Vader sort of had his stuff going right, but um, you look at uh, at Phasma and you look at uh, this guy uh, with his armor and uh, at Elric and, and his red TIE fighter as well. And they just sort of, they're given leeway. So it's like, it's just interesting in that it's sort of more feudal more of a feudal leadership in, in that they, they're allowed to have that sort of uh, autonomy uh, in, in their military ranks. So I, right, I thought we, that was pretty interesting. It's also um, been revealed to like have like a, a gold storm, a gold and black armored stormtrooper as well. Um, that, that he's not he's not actually appeared in any of the episodes yet, but he has actually been um, like revealed to be a character in the show. So you're right. We It seems to be like the officers, the, the stormtrooper officers get their, or at least captains get their own kind of like flair uh, their own kind of like uh, distinct yeah, appearance. It, it, it's pretty neat, uh, you know. That it, even if their ships are, you know, uh, the same model or whatever, that they would be, you know, uh, customized or or anything like that. And I, I, it's interesting because I don't know that that existed sort of in the the old Imperial Navy, and right. um, and in in this one they're sort of allowed to have their own. Um, it, it really it reminds me more of like you know back in the day like uh, feudal sort of systems where you had lords of areas where they mm. sort of were given free reign of the area and they had well their actually money. isn't isn't um Ulrich isn't he described isn't he a I could be completely wrong but isn't he like a baron like isn't he Baron Ulrich something or other I could be completely wrong about that, that but yeah so that that would fall in line you know what I mean like, definitely yeah. Um, and, and it kind of goes back to the old EU books, too, where you had, uh, you know, post sort of Return of the Jedi, you had uh, different Imperial factions where, you know, guys had their, uh, you know, <laughs> their old Star Destroyers and stuff and yeah, sort of sure. decked out and, and made for luxury or whatever, but they still mm. had their little squadrons and all that stuff. It's just really interesting sort of deep lore stuff. But uh, sure, Vinny, what are you feeling? I think you're absolutely right. And what I was going to bring up, and it's really funny, we this this one word seems to keep coming up in the old expanded in the old expanded universe for the for the original canon. Baron Fell um, was considered the 
Red Baron. He was considered the the most ruthless and, and lethal of the Imperial pilots. Ah. And he was leader of a personal uh, elite fighter squadron called the 181st Fighter Wing. And they had bright red long blood stripes on their TIE interceptors. Interesting. Yeah, is this, is this starting to sound a little familiar? Definitely. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it, it's definitely giving that vibe to me. Um, so yeah, and, and and like you said in the in the old canon, there was a lot more ship customization that went on um, when Rogue Squadron uh, left the New Republic, so they could secretly go take back Coruscant. They each pilot got to customize their own X-wing and go crazy on it. So yeah, they 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 they, they went bonkers on the the custom paint jobs in in the old EU, which I loved personally. Um, mm. But yeah, I, I think you're right about the Baron title. I think that he's drawing a lot of influence from Baron Fell, um, from the old canon right down to the, the red custom interceptor. Um, so I, I think there's a lot of influence there for sure. Definitely. Yeah, and, and I think it takes me back to just sort of that, you know, childhood imagination where, you know, again, going back to just sort of the mundaneness of the racing area even, you know, they, they may be spaceships or race ships i don't know if there's a distinction sort of for what they're piloting right now um but the customization side of stuff in the star wars universe um i could always i will mention it any chance i get but star wars galaxies the old game you know just the the level of yes. detail you know you 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 upgrade your you know your your lasers you upgrade your your missiles, your shields, your hyperdrive, your, you know, everything. So just that sort of imagination that it brings to the table. Uh, I love it. I love it. That's what, when I, when I refer to the setting of the show, that's kind of what I mean. Yeah, I, I absolutely hear you. It, 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 it's kind of funny. You're absolutely right. At first I, I was looking at it and it was just like, oh, these are like uglies, but less creative. And now I look at it more and I see these more personal touches. Like one of the ships I know has, uh, uh, has the Naboo, uh, crest on it and and each ship has a little bit of, of personality to it and, and and touches so they're not just uglies they're person personal built they're they they yeah. are unique and they have the spirit of the the pilot in them and and, and yeah they, they kind of won me over a little almost bit. like almost like pod racing actually yeah like yeah absolutely there's a lot of similarities to pod racing i was gonna bring this up earlier um oh. i know a lot of people uh talk about the original uh, episode one racer game for n64 which everyone played it was great there was a sequel um, called Race of Revenge for PS2 that was incredibly, yes, I played that, yeah. incredibly underrated, yes, incredibly underrated, really fun. It was um, great. Oh yeah, and the settings for that were fantastic. Like there was one where you're like flying through the lava under the planet of Sullust. Oh uh, yeah. And then there's yeah. one where you're where you're in zero g underwater in Mon Cal, I think it was. And I, I'd love for this racing setting to have those crazy settings in uh like we saw in the pod racing games that'd be awesome mm. yeah if they like had a season or something you know what i mean like a racing circuit as yes yes um if they you know if that were part of it because i i don't know what direction they're going you know being star wars resistance you know does he does he start gathering pilots there where he's at that sort of join his cause or is you know are, are some of them already secret resistance members and you know what i mean all of that is sort of left to left out in the open obviously at this point but yeah uh, maybe maybe his art because one thing i do actually like about it so far is he's not you know i was really expecting him to like first episode he'll he'll like prove himself as like an ace pilot and he'll instantly become one of them i'm glad they've not gone that route i'm glad they've they've given him like a little bit of like you know more of like a mechanic role for now but then obviously you know he's he's a skilled pilot he's gonna 
he's going to get his chance to fly in, fly in a ship and 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 prove himself worthy as as a as a great pilot. Um, but yeah, no, I could totally see that. Like him, maybe even like his 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 arc over the course of of the the show being like becoming this um uh, this leader of like uh, his own squadron. You know, with with the pilots from the Colossus, he can actually uh you know manage his own squadron and and take the fight to the first order, and that could be the resistance. Uh, I, I I totally agree because you have a character that's sort of coming from a place of like you know he I mean he I wouldn't say luxury but right he he was sort of his father had plans for him as it were right and, and he which sort is another thing I did actually like about the show I I like that we we're getting a little bit about um, his backstory and his father and and I like the fact that he wasn't just from this kind of like this old um, you know the classic kind of farm boy. Um, yeah, or or really bad circumstances, like right, you know, exactly, just yeah, doesn't know the, you know where he comes from and all of that. He's, he's from a quite privileged, right, uh, background. right. He's coming from a place where he had uh, other options, and so you know, it, for his character to sort of take this, uh, you know, at, at first he may have just sort of joined Poe's cause just for the sort of you know the the allure. And like um, a rebellion against his father, who like, right. I mean that that's that is actually why he, you know, I mean, okay, he was interested in it beforehand, but you can clearly see him make up his mind when his, you know, when his his, his father's like, you know, uh, I provided everything for you, and and it's almost like a a rebellion thing, which is quite like a, a not necessarily the wrong thing to do, but it's quite like a, a juvenile, uh, childish, you know, reason to to join a a militia group. So I'm hoping that you know we actually see him take it, start to take it like more seriously as the season like progresses and be like. No, this is actually for a cause. I want to fight for this, um, and so on and so forth. I, I thought I thought it was great that his background wasn't just came from nothing, nowhere, dirt poor, farmer, slave, whatever. That right. had it fall into their lap. That fate conspired to bring this person here. I'm really glad they didn't go with it. He has drive. Yes, he gets shot down easily. I thought it was a little bit silly that he had that moment of man, I can't do anything right. Like crisis of confidence barely two episodes in, but <laughs> but overall, I, I thought it was really good that he's a character who knows what he wants, stepped up, went for it, and didn't have fate have to or the force have to hand it to him on a silver platter like here is the Millennium Falcon. Here is your father's lightsaber. Here is <laughs> the only guy in the entire universe who knows your family backstory and will guide you to like no, no. He's like I want to be a pilot. Dad, piss off. I, I want this. Yeah. I want to be I want part to of my the own resistance. Life. I like that yeah. a lot. Speaking of his dad, um, during the conversation with his dad, they went out of their way to kind of scramble him. And Poe was just like, we have to scramble the message. And so you conveniently yeah. can't see his dad. And I, I thought that was kind of weird. I felt if Me too. if the dad isn't an important character, then they would have just given us a generic looking dude who just looks like him, but older, I guess. But being hidden, maybe they're going out of their way to say that this is going to be a reveal later. Yeah, I almost I almost agree with you because um that was my initial impression when they were like, "Oh, we're going to have to scramble a signal because you you generally you, they did, they didn't have to do that." Do you know what I mean? They didn't have to scramble what he looked like, which does lead to lead me to believe that there is a little bit of um you know, but then I I heard the guy's voice and obviously I'm assuming he has the same surname as his as his son, which is uh Giono, right? Or Ziono, something like that. Um and I I can't really think of who that could possibly be. Like that—that that was what was was stuck in in my head. Like I couldn't think who it could be. So I don't know. Does anyone have any ideas? Does anyone have any crack theories of of who Kaz's dad could be? Man, I don't know. I, I I'm thinking about that last name. Um, Ezra. Ezra. 
If Ezra there it is. had a we real change of voice, case. maybe I would be down with that. I, I, it would be really cool. I, I think it would be really cool. It just I don't think it really fits Ezra's character because his dad comes off as a tight ass. He's just like a, well, he's a senator. He's a senator. Yeah, so. and, and and I feel like Ezra would be like, "You bet, son. Go on your adventure. Go hop in that ship and 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 grab yourself a girl and 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 go racing." And I, I feel like Ezra, if he were a dad, would be cooler, for lack of a better term. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I don't know. I, I really don't know. Unless this is his dad, because obviously we saw in if anyone's read Bloodlines, there was a very interesting thing about like certain senators were actually like conspiring against the New Republic, and they were like funneling money into the First Order. I don't know. I don't know why they'd feel the need to hide the appearance of his dad. Um, no, I don't know either. But I, I, the New Republic um, but, is an official organization. They they have big bright blue logos on all their sh- stuff. I I don't. I, I really don't know why they would need to hide that. Yeah, unless he like feels the need to like get dressed up in his first order uh, appearance, and he was like, "Oh damn, you know." <laughs> Your dad actually asked us to scramble this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we don't know why. We don't. We didn't need to, but he was. He was we heard. We heard a young woman's it. voice in the background. She seemed to be giggling. We don't know. It was weird. <laughs> maybe, maybe that's that's all that happened. Um, but I don't know. Yeah, I I did find it a little bit strange that that his uh, appearance was scrambled. You know what I thought was interesting, and this is just sort of random um had occurred to me um you know his father at least right now doesn't seem to be anybody from the universe or the established canon that we know right um so hopefully it's not anything like force related or anything like that you know what i mean um but but going back to the show i i thought what was interesting um you know this guy uh i think there's some references like I don't know where I read it that said, you know, they may or may not have the force, right? Um, that's, of course, everybody, right, in the galaxy. Um, but there was one small uh, small part there where, um, in the second episode, where the Neomodian is about to take off, and he's talking into his little recorder, and he drops it into that crack uh, in the hangar. And, uh, and, you know, Kaz goes to reach down to pick it up, and you know, he's trying to reach because he has to grab it really quick so that they don't see him grabbing it. And then the droid, I think that's what it is, right? So they don't see him yeah, grabbing BB-8. it. Yeah, BB-8. Yeah, yeah, that's it, yeah. And, and so uh, BB-8, I think it's BB-8, yeah, right? Uh, reaches down and grabs it for him. And that's sort of that spot where, you know, traditionally perhaps uh, a Force character might just I was sort so of, expecting them to, like, know, use the Force. and like, Yeah, <laughs> force it to himself. But yeah. you had the droid sort of jumping in and doing it for him. So right, hopefully, exactly. you know, he doesn't have Force powers later on. Um, BB-8's and this force is, sensitive. Yeah, BB-8's not Force-sensitive, but is his sort of, you know what I mean, that um, that foil for those situations. Right, yeah, yeah, I think I, think I can see that. Um, does anyone else, before we move on, because we're running a little bit, like, over here. Um, so before we move on to the next topic, does anyone else have anything to say about Resistance? Or... I have something extremely minor and probably banal, but... Um... I, I, I knew this show was going to be a, a, a kind of a feast for people who are big into the ships and there were going to be a lot of obscure ship references. So if, if we do make this a regular thing, I am going to be on obscure expanded universe ship watch. <laughs> um, I did notice that I, I know I've noticed that you guys are kind of some of the older school star Wars gamers. Um, if you remember the leader of the pirates that attacked um, the main guy, I took a good look at his ship. The cockpit was a Lambda shuttle. But oh, okay. but the back half, the, the the majority of the ship, the fuselage and the wings, 
Do you remember from the old TIE Fighter X-Wing game something called the Alpha Star Wing? It might you might have known as the Imperial Gunship. Um, it's kind of an obscure favorite of a lot of people who like the ships. It was that. So oh. I, I really, really hope that that's bringing that into the new canon. And if it is, then you know this show could be a great funnel uh, to bring all of these other ships and beloved designs, you know, score ships like the, the Houndstooth. Um, into the new canon. I think that'd be awesome, and I think that's kind of a, a very small ancillary. Like, it would be smooth fan service. It's, it's fan and, service and that's sure. not in your face. Absolutely. Mm. And you know what? This show, if if one thing has me sort of positive about it, um, you know, I, I, I certainly... I've, it's certainly, I, I obviously said I liked it, but I think what this really does is it sort of really gets me in a, a feeling positive about uh, The Mandalorian. Um, again, going to film, um, but we got some of it in Han Solo, uh, with, you know, the, uh, the Sabak, uh, the Sabak, uh, scenes, um, you know, that sort of seedy underworld, um, uh, where you get sort of some of the, so some of the more nuanced in-universe details that we got back in the EU books that you might catch, you know, in an off-hand sentence here or there in one of the books, uh, that sort of stuff being brought, you know, onto screen. So uh, I think it's really, really cool from that side of things. Right, definitely. So, Neelan, after after hearing us uh, go on and on about Resistance, do you think it's going to be a show that you're going to check out, or do you think maybe, you know, you're going to be like, maybe, nah, this isn't for me? Yeah. <coughs> I think I'll check it out, but not at the mm. moment. The way you guys make it sound, the way you guys make it sound like doesn't, like make it sound urgent right. to watch. I got other shows to watch on my plate currently, but yeah, I'm. I mean, I was always gonna watch the show. It was just a matter of when. But uh, I think I made my decision probably when the first season. Finishes. Yeah, I mean that's what I did with Rebels, and I think it definitely worked in his favor. Um, so we will be doing reviews um for Resistance as like a separate a separate show. Uh, so stay tuned for that if you want to hear like more like in depth. Um, thoughts about the actual episodes and the plot of episodes we will be doing that so if you're interested in that stay tuned so uh so vinnie you have some news for us today about a certain author um do you want to do you want to explain a little bit more about that thank you i would love to it is a great day for all star wars fans the quote-unquote author chuck wendig has officially been fired from all uh disney productions that includes both marvel and lucasfilm limited he uh, he got the message today from his editor over at Marvel, uh, where he was doing some work on a couple comics, that his tweets had become, quote, too vulgar, um, and that he was being let go from not just Marvel, but also LFL, which would be his Star Wars projects. He apparently had a second run on the Vader comic planned, uh, called Shadow of Vader, and he had another unannounced book planned, which I didn't even know. I don't think anyone had even announced that yet. Um for those who don't know, Chuck Wendig did the uh, Aftermath trilogy, which I'm not speaking for everyone, but just a, a general consensus seemed to be it was received very poorly. I personally did not like it. Um, he also uh, made the news when he did a run for the Vader comic, and he screwed with the canon uh, quite a bit, uh, ran over some other Rogue One content. and um, But he's best known for his rants on Twitter. He has a very, very strong political voice, hyper-liberal, left-leaning and um, he does not take to criticism well uh, at all. Uh, a lot of people who read his books and went, wow, these books aren't very good, 
Uh, he generally responded by saying uh, that, hey, don't get mad at me for including uh, you know, more progressive characters in my books, uh, gay characters, bi characters, uh, non-binary uh, gender characters. And uh, it always seemed to me that well, that wasn't our problem with you, Mr. Wendig. Our problem was that your books aren't very good. <laughs> yeah, I definitely didn't see anyone complaining about the last shot when they uh, – when uh, what's what was the author's name for the last shot? Uh... Jose Alda, was it? Yeah, yeah, and and you're at yeah. that's where I was going to go next, the non-binary gender pilot. Right, and I didn't see, I haven't seen anyone, you know, massively complain about the that, you know, that story. So I don't think it comes down to these these progressive characters coming into the mix. I, I think it it comes down to the the story being badly written. <laughs> yeah, and uh, you're absolutely right, and um and and I'm going to use he just because the audiobook that I read it was voiced by a guy, um so that's what, he looked male in my head. But sure. that non-binary gender character, I thought he was very cool. He um he saved Han and Lando multiple times. He turned out hmm. to be uh, this badass secret New Republic agent. I thought it, it was very cool. And I, uh, it was never my problem. And I, so Chuck Wendig, then when he was uh, fired from Lucasfilm, he went to the Twitter verse and said, this is a victory for the bullies. This is a victory for the bad guys everywhere. And uh, just went on and on. And um, as, as we like to say in sports, he didn't just take the L, <laughs> you know? Right. Mm. Um, but I, I think this is a, a very good step for the, for the, uh, the fandom at large. Cause I, I think he was very toxic. Um, I, I, just for context, I am openly bi. I have been for quite some time and I really didn't like, uh, what he would do. I thought he was using his usage of gay, bi, and queer characters as a defense, almost as a weapon. He had weaponized it to defend otherwise not great writing. And I kind of was offended by that. Right. That's, that's what always come across to me. Like he was like, you know, he couldn't admit that his own stories maybe weren't being well received. So it had to be. It had to be for some other reasons than than what yeah. you know people were actually complaining for, which is was the quality of the story. And, and, and don't get me wrong, there is definitely a a right, uh, maybe right wing is the wrong term, but an anti-progressive, anti-SJW uh, feeling among Star Wars fans. You're seeing it a lot in Star Wars. They attacked Kelly Marie Tran. They attacked Daisy Ridley. They both actresses had to go completely dark on social media because of it. Um, right. Um, that you know they're they're you know they talk a lot about they upset about Holdo's character from the Last Jedi and the Last Jedi in, in general. So I'm not saying that element isn't there, but that's that's not what happened here. I, I think this is the case right. of, a, of a bad author getting called out and taking criticism exceptionally poorly. And mm. uh, I think the Star Wars verse is better off without him. Yeah, I mean, I can't say like I, I can't say I'm like, you know, I, I never like to see anyone out of a job unless they've done something truly truly like nasty and and you know maybe you could debate that he did i don't you know i don't think it was like it's not what i quite call as like me being hey i'm really glad this guy isn't in a job but you know as far as like did you know did he maybe deserve to be fired i think yes um you've got to be very very i mean you know we are living in a day and age where you have got to be very careful what you put on social media and if he's you know basically you know calling out the, the fans and the consumers of, of Star Wars products and and you know and not unable to take criticism you know constructively then it's a dangerous thing you know and, and I can see why it led to his firing as much as you know it's it's sad to see him out of a job and I, I you know at the end of the day I, I do wish him well um, probably deserved um, to be let go absolutely hmm um, what about you, Fuel? Do you, what, what's your thoughts on it? 
Honestly, uh, I don't know enough about the situation to comment. <laughs> mm. um, I, I I know that uh, I did read, you know, uh, the first Aftermath book, and uh, I didn't get all the way through it. Uh, I got about three quarters of the way. It was it was tough to read, uh, mm. and I'm not usually one to criticize that sort of thing. I'll be like, uh, I'll give it poetic license, right? Right, like, right. Yeah, this is intended, you know. And uh, but it just didn't capture my attention enough uh, to finish all the way through. But that aside, uh, I don't know enough of the situation honestly to sort of comment. Uh, I didn't see. Uh, I wasn't in tune to the negative uh, comments that he got online or that he had, you know, returned in favor. Um, so, I, I'm, you know, I'm not sure to enough to comment, to be honest. Sure, sure. And Neelan, what about you? Do you have any thoughts on this matter? Uh, I never read any of the Aftermath books, but um, I've read a lot of Chuck's tweets, and oh my god, like, Jesus Christ. He makes, he <laughs> makes The Last Jedi Defenders look bad. Mm, he's just mm. it's it's just annoying to see people act like this i mean this guy's a grown adult i mean i expect i expect more he's kind of a jerk he's an asshole let's be real here so (laughs) um i'm not really sympathetic for him for getting fired i mean i think maybe he should have been i don't know maybe he should have been warned like I don't know if he was ever given a warning by the higher ups. We don't know if he if he wasn't to be fair. Yeah, like I yeah. I hope like if he was, then like I have no sympathy for him getting fired. Yeah, but yeah, if he wasn't, yeah. then I'm like okay, not a warning would have helped because I think I I still don't th- I think Chuck could have um gotten a second chance basically if he was mm. warned. But that's all I can mm. say about the subject. Well, if if we're going, st- and, and you're right, I, I we don't know what the background talks were. We don't know who said what leading up to this. I mean, he has a very long history of these, you know, political, you know, very aggressive posts. And I, I myself am left leaning, so I, I'm I'm not attacking this guy at all. If anything, I would I would under normal circumstances probably agree with his political affiliations, but he just went about it just a completely wrong way for a very long time. Um, And just to give you some context, no spin, no opinions. This is just what happened. Marvel said, we're firing you because your tweets are vulgar. Those were the exact words. Your your tweets Mm. are too vulgar. And I'm going to quote to you one of his tweets. This is this is an actual tweet that was posted by author Chuck Wendig. Um, I'm working very blue here. So put the kids to bed. Cover your ears. His his tweet was. Winter is coming, you callous fucknecks, you prolapsed assholes, you grotesque monsters, you racists and rapists and wretched abusers, you vengeful petty horrors. That's 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 just one of a slew of examples. Uh, I mean, a lot of his tweets read like that. And and regardless of your political affiliation, regardless of of where on the spectrum you fall, you know, when you've got a product like Marvel, when you've got a product like Star Wars that's aimed at five-year-olds, eight-year-olds, little girls, little boys. Two of the biggest franchises in the yeah, world. Yeah, absolutely. Like, let's, let's absolutely. And, and and they're aimed at kids, you know, for the most part, if yeah. not entirely. Yeah. And they're going to go like, hey, I really like this book from this guy. I'm going to see what he has to say. And he goes on the internet and reads that. Right. <laughs> like, Which, I mean, in fairness, I'm, I'm, and I'm not, you know, it's certainly the way he goes about it. I'm not, you know, I'm not in agreement with that. But there have been other... Star Wars authors, uh, and you know, I think Pablo Hidalgo is one of them. You know, he he's, he's very political on Twitter. I think um, so. He's not the only one that gets a little bit political on Twitter, and I don't think that you know, you know, censoring um, certain 
peoples just because they belong to a certain to a certain company and franchise, you know, completely censoring their political um, thoughts and, and beliefs and stuff like that. But it's there's, there is a way to go about it, and Chuck Wendig clearly wasn't going away about it the right way. No, so. I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, so you know, at the end of the day, I think that it was coming. It was probably coming for a long time. Um, we don't know. I, I hope he was warned. I hope he, you know, at least got that. You know, if you do this again, there's going to be problems. And if you didn't listen to that, then what can you really say about the matter? I mean, <laughs> there's there's not much else to be said. But yeah. Um, well, we won't get an aftermath sequel. Well, we wouldn't get, but we'll get no more books in the in the same writing style as aftermath. So I mean, maybe maybe some fans will be happy about that. <laughs> if, yeah. if if if, like, if nothing let else, me, let me go get my tiny violin. <laughs> yeah, completely. Um, but I think, you know, I think that wraps up the show. Um, if you have any thoughts on any of the topics we discussed, you know, be it Man- The Mandalorian, be it Resistance, be it Chuck Wendig's firing, if you have any thoughts about that, please comment them in the comment section or the Reddit post. Um, and, you know, if you have any questions for us to answer on next week's, next week's episode, you know, please, please do the same. Please post them in the comment section. Please post them on the Reddit. We will answer them and um you'll get a little bit of credit as well for that um so fuel do you want to go ahead and close out and give the audience our coordinates i will give it a shot (laughs) if you liked what you heard hop a lift down to level 1313 the seedy underbelly of the internet known as reddit uh you can find us on r slash star wars speculation be sure to check us out on YouTube as Kessel Fun Podcast, where you can subscribe to us and click the little bell to be first to know when the new episodes are up. And, uh, you know, if you enjoyed the episode, feel free to uh, to give us a like, or you will give us a like. Uh, we're also available on SoundCloud, Pocket Cast, and iTunes as Kessel Fun Podcast. If you have questions for us or topics you'd like for us to hear uh, about or uh, cover on the show, Uh, Hit us up on Twitter at Kessel Fun. See you around, kid.